0: Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m., worship at 9.30 a.m., or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speakers. So today, as we've been talking about Advent, uh, we've been having some topical discussions, which in making my sermon on joy, I find quite difficult because there's so much to say when you're talking about a topic and you're bringing the whole of Scripture. Um, But we're going to try to focus on joy this morning. Uh, We've been talking about Advent this season. We've been talking about what that means in the coming and in the arrival of Jesus, not only in the past, but also in the future. We've been lighting these symbolic candles, which represent aspects of Jesus coming to a world lost in darkness. And each flame brings us closer to the Sunday where we actually celebrate his birth. So week one, we lit the candle of hope, and we talked about hope past, hope present, and hope future with his second coming, Last week, we lit the candle of love and talked about how we need to accept His love, how we need to experience His love, and how we need to share His love. And Today, we're going to talk about joy. And when I thought about joy as I'm putting this together, some some random thoughts came to mind from my childhood, um, mainly from junior church. We would sing all these random songs that had no meaning to us back then, we just got to scream and shout so we got excited uh and there was a song in particular that we with uh that we sang with much aggression and almost ruthlessly um and that was i have the joy 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 down in my heart it was just like these angry faces screaming and then people would you know one side of the room would shout and then the other side would go down in my heart and you just go back and forth um But when it comes to us in our lives, we go through seasons, unfortunately, more often than we would like, where we don't feel joy down in our hearts. We we don't feel happiness. So what happens when we meet a season that's filled with joy of, of the songs and the colors and the decoration and even people that aren't Christians that are celebrating the season about something that's great for us. We, where's the disconnect? Why can't we feel that joy? That's what we're going to talk about today. Life is complicated, and there are lots of times we don't feel joy. So when I was seven years old, um, around that, my early life, I was really into movies with talking animals. All right, Jungle Book was like my favorite movie when I was a little kid. And when I was seven years old, The Lion King came out. All right, you guys, everyone in here have seen The Lion King. I'm actually really excited, and it kind of dates me, but 25 years ago that came out. Um, They're actually coming out with a live-action Lion King in 2019, and I'm like, my child inside me is, like, super giddy, and I've seen the teaser, like, a dozen times already. Um, But in The Lion King, you had these two characters, these comic relief characters, Timon and Pumbaa. They were best of friends. It was a meerkat and a warthog. It's kind of weird saying it now, Um, but these guys are really good friends. Does anybody remember what their motto was? Oh my goodness, yeah. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries, and I I can sing the whole song for you right now, but I'm not going to. Um, And in the famous words of Pumbaa, the warthog, he says, these two words can solve all your problems. And with some catchy lyrics, they convince this lion, Simba, who is running from his problems to ignore his troubles and to leave his problems behind and just live with hakuna matata, live with no worries. And that's often how we approach Christmas season, how we, we have to have joy. We have to have this attitude of hakuna matata and ignore our problems and ignore our troubles. But unfortunately, we're not always joyful. We're not always going through things that are ideal. So what we do as humans going through something that's a happy time, we try to cram all other feelings deep down. Everything we're going, if it doesn't match up with joy, we try to cram it down. For instance, 2011 was the first Christmas, actually the first Christmas Eve in Pennsylvania for me where I was not sitting around my grandma's table with my family, having Christmas Eve dinner. My, my grandma, she is an amazing cook. And so I'm here in Pennsylvania, and my wife's a good cook too. I don't want to discredit that. That was our first year married, but that was the first year I was not at grandma's house. And I, I was frustrated. I was sad, and I was cramming those emotions down. 2015 was a tough Christmas for us. It was a Christmas where just three weeks prior to Christmas, we had experienced our first miscarriage. A joy in our life. Excitement over a child coming. Cram those emotions down. 2016 was an even harder Christmas. It was the first Christmas without my dad. He had passed away a couple months before. And I met something where I just couldn't cram it down. I couldn't get rid of this this problem, this, this roadblock in my life. I couldn't feel the joy. We're duped into thinking that if we can just achieve this Hakuna Matata status, we can finally have joy. We try hard to create artificial joy by tossing our troubles aside ignoring our struggles, and just living in the moment. But while we do that, we create this artificial joy where it's shallow and it's short-lived. And when we take down the de- decorations, when we, when we move on to, um, the, into the new year, we realize these problems are still in our life. In The Lion King, Simba eventually had to deal with his problems not going to give any spoilers, but he eventually had to deal with his problems that he left behind. I love, and this is a plug for Bible Project. I'm not sponsored in any way, but they are a great resource. They, they did that movie that we showed at the beginning, um, and I love how they summarized, you know, I, we could have watched that and left. I mean, that was my sermon about joy, but I love how they put it. Biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. Joy is not simply a feeling It's an attitude we adopt, not because of our circumstances, but because of our hope in God's promise. So how can I be joyful in this season when all I feel is sadness, frustration, busyness, pain? According to the Bible and what we're going to look at today, you don't have to cast aside all the bad stuff you are experiencing in order to unwrap this gift of joy. And that's what we're going to talk about. Despite what you're going through, you can receive joy during the season. We're going to focus on three different things. Anticipate joy, recognize joy, and choose joy. So first of all, anticipate joy. We all know the postal service makes mistakes all the time, right? You get a box. I love getting boxes, especially nowadays. We order everything on Amazon, like, the past couple of weeks, it seemed like we had a box on our porch and don't open that. That's not yours. Don't open that. Like, I don't want to accidentally open my Christmas gift, but some things are delivered to us that aren't ours. You know, I've opened gifts and like, that's not mine. Like, I don't know where that came from, um, <laughs> but they make, they make mistakes all the time. In 2015, the Washington Post did an article about a postal um, service mistake so a father in India wrote a letter to his son who lived in New York City. Um, the letter was written shortly after ni- the events of 9-11, and it took 14 years for this, this son to receive his father's letter. And unfortunately, when, the bo- when, when this man received his father's letter, his dad had actually passed away a few years before. So he's receiving this letter from his dad who had, had passed away, Um, And this is what he had to say um, in the Washington Post article. He said, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter, but rarely has one been more welcome. The expression of concern in the letter is sadly still relevant today, but the physical letter itself was a real joy. It was certainly an unexpected joy, one that was on its way the whole time. But with Jesus, he is our expected joy. He came, we know that, as the Bible says, he has always been planning on coming back to returning for, him, for, for his church, right? He's been planning that since before we were even born. And the amazing part about it all is this is his letter to us. As we often do, we write our names at the beginning of the Bible, you know, to show that this is mine. But you could literally go to the end and write, Love your heavenly father. This is our guidebook. This is our truth. This is our letter from him. When you accept Christ, the anticipation for his return begins. And the anticipation becomes greater as you walk, as you talk, as you grow in him. When I think about somebody that anticipated joy, a Bible character, John the Baptist just like pops into my head. I mean, this guy... Doesn't get enough credit. He's often overlooked, but he was an amazing dude. Like, Jesus had this to say about him in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. Jesus says, I tell you, among those born of a woman, none is greater than John. So all the prophets, all all the men and women that lived in the Old Testament, Jesus is like, this is the guy. This is, he is great, and in this, this weird transition, this weird time in history um, where you have the Old Testament culture of Judaism, and then you have Jesus coming, like there's this hinge from the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant under law, and then you have the New Covenant under grace. And it right in that hinge, you have John the Baptist, and his whole message was the Messiah is here, the Messiah is coming, and he, and he's preaching this very... Um, new teaching. You know, you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the very religious people that are like, no, no don't listen to him. But people are, are following John the Baptist. He was a very simple man, uh, but he had this message that he was communicating about the coming Messiah, about how Jesus was coming. He was preparing the way. And I love this moment uh, when you get to John chapter 1, verse 29. So, you have this man, he's committed his life to talking about Jesus and what he was coming to do. And he has this moment where he's with his disciples, he's with the people following him, and he looks and he sees Jesus. And I don't know what he was doing in that moment, but he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He goes, This is the dude! This is the guy I've been telling you about. It's starting. It's here. So when you talk about anticipation, when you talk about excitement about something to come, think of John. Not John Buckley. He's a very excited man. But think of John the Baptist. He anticipated. That anticipation of joy drove him to just live for God. Even when you don't feel joy right now, we can anticipate the coming of joy to the world in the gift of Jesus. We can prepare to move from our state of discouragement into an experience of life-giving joy. These Luke passages I'm just going to skip over, Hannah. Uh, We know that Christ the Messiah has come, and we know that he is still coming yet again. He is returning. Let that experience of advent as the season when we anticipate the arrival of Jesus, even when we struggle with the realities of the present. Let that anticipation drive you and push you to joy. So anticipate joy. Secondly, we're going to talk about recognize joy, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. Recognize joy. So we're going to talk about the wise men. All right, they recognized joy. They saw the light in the sky, the star, right? They recognized it. Now, so let's talk about this for a second because this kind of bothers me. You know, we drive up the road here and I see a cardboard cutout of the wise men and their donkey, not donkey, uh, camel, you know, at the Lutheran church up the road. We don't know how many wise men there were. We talk about, you know, we three kings, right? We know there were three gifts, and we know there were multiple wise men, but we don't know how many dudes there were. There could have been 20. There could have been two, and one was just overachieving and got two gifts instead of one. We, we have no idea how many wise men, but we know there were multiple wise men, okay? But they recognized joy, and they pursued it. And I don't think we fully grasp how much they actually pursued after that joy. But they encountered joy. Um, Challenges and difficulties along the way. We know that they traveled really far. All right, the Bible isn't specific, but it, it says that they came from the east. So, what was east of Israel was the land of Babylon, and we know that there were magi in Babylon. It was talked about 500 years before when it talks about the Jews in captivity. So, you have these these magi who see the star in Babylon. All right, now if if you look at a map, Babylon is if you take the quickest route, we're talking about the eastern trading route, is 800 miles from Babylon to Bethlehem. That's a really long way. They didn't have cars. To put that in perspective, if, you were, if we were all to get on some camels, and some of us walk, I'll be on a camel, uh, and go from here all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, that's 800 miles. That's a long way, right? So if they travel an average of 20 miles a day, that would take them five to six weeks just in traveling. And that's why I know there was more than just three dudes because that Eastern trading route was full of thieves. I mean, there's goods going back and forth from one part of the world to the other part of the world. And there were thieves. There were people that wanted to take things. So there were, they had guards. They had people with them. They had their tents, their food for two months, their water. I mean, they, they were traveling with a lot of stuff. But they recognized the joy that had come to the world, and they did everything possible to to see that, to find this king. I find it fascinating because these guys were not Jews at all. They were pagans. They probably worshipped a different god, but they were familiar with the Old Testament, the Torah, they were familiar with the prophecies. And if, if you look at the Jewish history, you see that they were in exile. The Jews were in exile 500 years before Jesus was born. So while the Jews were in exile in Babylon, they were, they were teaching. They were talking about their prophecies. They were talking and teaching about their Bible. And, you know, over the next 500 years, The magi were teaching people and recognizing and looking to the stars, and we see the prophecy in numbers, but they saw the star, and they just, they went for it. So a challenge was the traveling. Another challenge, it seems as though they lost sight of the star when they got close, or they didn't know where to go. I mean, they were in Jerusalem, which is only six miles away from from Bethlehem, and they go to Herod, who is king, asking for directions. And it's obvious they didn't know much about Herod because Herod was a pretty evil dude, okay? Just to give you a little background of this Herod guy, um, he had murdered his wife, murdered some of his sons. He had killed some other relatives. I mean, he was a pretty ruthless dude. He wasn't a Jew. He was this puppet king that Rome had put over the Jews to kind of keep order. Um, But he was a ruthless guy. And you see in... Matthew chapter 2, uh, the Magi go to, go to King Herod and they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These wise men, this group of people, they, they weren't like, Oh, we saw something and we've been following it. We don't really know what we're supposed to find. No, they were very specific. They knew what they were looking for. Where is he? who had been born king of the Jews, they recognized what had arrived, what had come. And I almost in this moment imagine Herod spitting out his morning coffee, like, what? I'm the king, the king of the Jews? Who is this guy? And Matthew chapter two, verse eight, Herod says, when you have found him, bring him to me that I may too worship him. We know that he wanted to kill him. He was a pretty ruthless guy. He actually had all the babies under two years old in Bethlehem killed when, the, when he found out the wise men didn't come to tell him where he was. But the wise men, after getting the direction, after leaving Herod, we get to Matthew 2, verse 9 through 11, and it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that, had, that had seen, they had seen when it rose went before them until it came the rest to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And joy uh, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Joy drove them through the difficulties and was fulfilled in finding Jesus. If we were to t- to compare this to our pursuit of joy, to our pursuit of Jesus. That 800-mile journey that was pictured is almost like a picture of our life, right? We encounter difficulties. We encounter struggles. We encounter things that we, we don't want in our life. But eventually, we will meet Jesus. And when you recognize that joy, joy, the pursuit, even th- you know, through the good and the bad, joy will push you through that pursuit pursue Jesus. James 1, and I love how testimony time, like all the testimonies that were said tie right into the message. You know, Pete was talking about James chapter 1, verse 2 through 3, and it's so true. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We expect joy to be free of worry and hardship, but that's not always the case. The Bible tells us that joy is found even in the midst of and sometimes because of the hard things that we encounter. So anticipate joy, recognize joy, and lastly, choose joy. Choose joy. Now, that sounds really hard, right? Because joy, happiness, is communicated to us like a feeling. And the idea can be a little deceiving to choose joy. You know, you can't just close your eyes and be like, I want joy, I want joy, I want joy. And it just comes to you. That, that's not how it works. It's almost like physical health or physical fitness. You can't go to Planet Fitness, sit down, eat pizza, which they have a pizza day. I think that's hysterical. Um, just sit in a chair, eat pizza, and think about building your muscles and then walk out swole. No, that's... That's not how it works. You have to actually put in the work. You have to actually lift the weights. You have to work out. You have to do something about it. We can't just sit around and think about joy and expect joy to just descend upon us. While we can't concentrate hard on choosing joy, we can choose to do things that bring joy over time, things like giving thanks by obeying, by abiding in Christ. When you do these things, we open ourselves up to the gift of joy. So let's talk about these things. Choose gratitude, all right? When you don't feel joy, choose to give thanks. And I know that sounds really hard. And I've been there when you're like going through something hard and you're like, I don't wanna, I'm not, I don't wanna be thankful for anything right now. I don't wanna thank anybody. Force yourself to do it because as you make that list of things you're thankful for, you'll look and be like, wow, look at all the things that God has done for me, that God is doing for me, and that God promises to do for me. And that'll give you joy during those hard times. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, rejoice sometimes. No, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that you rejoice through the good and the bad. Gratitude leads us to joy. So choose gratitude and choose to obey. John chapter 15 Verse 10 through 11, Jesus himself says this These things I have spoken to you that my my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So, what was this secret that Jesus was talking about? Well, if you look in verse 10, it's obedience. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We get that full joy through our obedience to God living in his will, and we don't know what his will is if we're not in his word. I'm not talking about the mystical, what is God's will? I'm talking about the plain as day, the obedience that God shows us we need, we need to live by in his scripture. The more we align ourselves with God's word, the more we encounter and receive his joy. So choose gratitude, choose to obey, and choose to abide, and this is continued it, with the idea in John chapter 15 it carries the idea of having a relationship in order to abide in his love you need to abide in Christ you need to abide in his word we see this metaphor in chapter 15 of John of of the vine and the branches and how and Jesus is describing this process of ongoing growth with nourishment if you look at verse Seven through nine, it says, if you, and this is Jesus speaking, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, this carries the idea of his desires will become your desires. And then verse eight continues, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's where we need to take refuge when we're going through things that aren't ideal, when we're frustrated or we're in the hustle and bustle. We need to abide in his love. And when we recognize that when we choose joy, um, over time it will become easier through the hard times. When you choose to abide in Christ's love, you you can't help but experience joy. So in conclusion... Um, and we're going to look at a verse in a minute, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. When we focus on the, the aesthetics of the Christmas season and we look through the world's lens, we have a hard time having true joy during the hard times. But when you think of Jesus and the hope and love he gifts to us, joy almost like materializes and becomes very real and becomes a very palpable entity that when brought into focus, blurs our problems. And, and I, and I, I want to say this clear. It doesn't get rid of our problems. Our problems are still there. You know, we had some testimonies of this young kid with cancer. Having joy doesn't make cancer disappear. doesn't make sickness go away. But it, if you have joy in Christ, it blurs those things. And instead of finding your identity in those problems, you find yourself... Having your identity in Christ, which is the joy of this season. When God-given joy becomes the strainer in which we process life, we get this 2 Corinthians 6 mentality. All right, we're going to look at verse 8 through 10. Paul says this, we, and he's talking about followers of Christ, we are treated as imposters and yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying and beyond and behold we live as punished yet not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing everything do you see that when when god's when re- proper joy becomes the strainer in which we process life we have this type of attitude. Don't hold joy hostage in your life this Christmas. Take a biblical approach. Anticipate joy. Recognize joy. And choose joy. Acknowledge your pain. Acknowledge your frustrations. But choose to look forward to the day when God will purge all that bad stuff from your life when you're with him in glory. Philippians, uh, Chapter uh, 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. I pray that that will be our aim this Christmas, as we celebrate Advent, as we look forward to Christ's return. Find your joy in Him. You know, even when you're not feeling it, push yourself to recognize it, to anticipate it, and choose joy in Him. Can I pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that in this season of Advent we can receive and unwrap this gift of joy. Help us to anticipate, recognize, and choose joy as we give thanks, as we obey, and as we abide in you. Lead us into joy as we lead others into it as well, as we, as we shine your light to this world as we grow in our relationship with you. Give us the courage and strength to rejoice no matter what circumstances we face and make our joy complete in you. In Christ's name, amen.